0: It'll be a three-man rush, eight in coverage, three in the end zone. Dalton heaves it down the right side toward the end zone. It is knocked up in the air. A.J. Green makes the catch. Oh, 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 man. A deflected ball winds up in the hands of A.J.
1: Green. The clock hits zero. A 52 to 23-year-old Tony
0: Pike waits for the snap the football. Short drop. Lobs down the sideline for Bins. He's got it! Touchdown! 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 And a high fly ball!
1: shirt on and uh, last i checked i did yes why
0: now a steal by gary clark and a breakaway to the rim ah! for a thunderous tomahawk jam Get you one big fella and a strike for Bertoni, and the magical moment
1: belongs to leonardo Bertoni. he opens the FC cincinnati account with a goal in the 14th minute Hit. double dip from the ice cream cone All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Pardon the Punctuation. It's been a very long time since we've recorded, and for that we do apologize. But we did want to bring a very special guest. Uh, with everything going on, 2020 being absolutely insane and COVID being what it is, we thought we'd kind of switch gears. I know we've had some different guests through the past, athletes from around the city. We've had uh, some people from the radio, uh, people from just different broadcasting platforms. But tonight, Edward and I have brought to you a very special guest. We have DJ E-Train. For those of you who do not know who DJ E-Train is, he is the guy bringing you the sounds to get you hyped at your Bearcats football and basketball games, the sounds to get you hyped at your Cincinnati Bengals games. And he's yes, he is even employed by the Reds, although he does some different things there. So welcome to the show, DJ E-Train. Uh, be sure to follow him on Twitter, Instagram, any other social platform, at DJ E-Train, that's T-R-A-Y-N. Eddie, again, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys having me, man. It's uh, a, a crazy year, so it's, it's nice for us to be able to jump on the line and uh, do something like this. Thank you, guys.
1: Yeah, no problem. Whenever uh, I can make someone smile... <laughs> in uh, a world that's completely <laughs> upside down. Mm-hmm. So first off, let's start right right off the bat with your role with the Reds. Things were kind of crazy this year for COVID. So if you can kind of explain what you normally do for the Reds and how that kind of had to change this year for uh, the Cincinnati Reds and what your, you know, just kind of expectations were of uh, your roles and responsibilities.
2: Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, I so So basically with the Reds, in a normal season, I do a lot of on-camera hosting inside the stadium, uh, the ballpark, a lot of fan engagement and a lot of work with uh, a lot of fans that are there. And then I do full-on DJing inside the ballpark as well for Firework Fridays, uh, certain types of events that they have going on, and then certain game days as well. Uh, so I'll do a live DJ setup um, from right field or from you know a party deck or something like that uh just to give that visual for the fan and for the players um and this year obviously with uh with no fans in the ballpark and um you know limited interactions with uh, a lot of the media and the players as well we kind of had to hit the brakes pump the brakes on uh my involvement there um and then obviously with the on camera work there were no fan- fans to, to host or anything like that, which uh, was obviously a huge bummer because that whole aspect of the game day feel is, is a nice additive and, and the Reds have done such a great job just pushing that and having that for the fans. Uh, so the pivot this year was to kind of um, present the in stadium sounds. Um, and then the, the grounds crew really took it <laughs> to another level if you guys were able to tune in most of the season and uh, provide that entertainment for the players and uh, everybody else in the field. Um, Unfortunately, you know, the, my normal job didn't happen, but I do want to give a big shout out to the red staff and um, everybody that, you know, kind of came together on the skeleton crew to make the season happen. There were fill in DJs. There were all different types of situations going on. And uh, it's, it's, it, it was amazing. It was awesome to sit back and see, and you guys saw what the Reds did this year. It's crazy that we were able to go to the playoffs, do our thing, have such a great year, but you no know, fans were able to witness it live.
1: Now, what kind of training did they have to go through as far as, like, I'm sure there was somebody sitting inside that stadium for several days, if not weeks, trying to get the feel of throwing crowd noise out in what's, you know, baseball, especially, as opposed to, like, football there's kind of always like that low hum where you know people are always kind of mm-hmm. talking and then you just kind of get louder but but with baseball it's it's quiet unless something's actually happening
2: yeah and i mean that was a trial and error from from everything that i understand and trying to kind of tune it in the right way i know with with football uh when we were presented a track list from the nfl with the bengals they gave us this looping crowd noise that had to be played at a certain decibel. Um, and, and assuming that, you know, all stadiums did that to kind of keep it fair for every stadium, that's kind of how it had to be this year, which was, was pretty crazy.
1: That's wild. So the NFL... so have you actually got to, sh- to shoot the, uh,
2: the T-shirt cannon
1: while running around with the Reds?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've done pretty much everything. I would say except that I've done some crazy giveaways um, as a host. I've had uh, moments where they had this the, the strongman guy come onto the field, and I had to MC him carrying these huge fire hydrants around the, around the base path, uh, something I didn't even know I was going to do until uh, I'd say three innings before that. It was kind of something that came up last minute. Um, anything from a back and forth with different players. Uh, Jesse Winker's a, a good guy, and, and I have a lot of interactions with him, a friend of mine, and um, and he's always – a lot of fun down there prior to the game and you know just the staff in general and a lot of the players there's always something going on and baseball it's a really cool feel being down on the field uh, pre-game because it's, it's a little bit different and a little bit more relaxed than you would get from uh, college football college basketball or the NFL and um, you know guys take a little bit more time to engage and uh, kind of have some fun prior to the game.
1: that's fantastic um i can't imagine being able to like just run around down there with the with the players and you know just kind of just i don't know i'm sure you probably have dreamt about having some sort of involvement in sports now to be able to be have your hand in all of these different local sports um that's fantastic
2: yeah yeah i mean it, it as a kid growing up and, and into high school all of that i sports sports life i mean i was the biggest sports center fan watching every single day was, you know, a lot of kids were watching cartoons and all that. And I just wanted to watch Stuart Scott, you know, give the (laughs) the morning update on sports center and um, rest in peace. And uh, then getting into it with our local teams uh, having played sports my whole life, it it was, it was a nice uh, like transition into that. And I'm, I'm very thankful, man, getting to see, you know, from when big NFL games come into town and guys like Steve Young, Steve Young and Troy Aikman are calling the game and I get to meet them and uh you know down to baseball where guys I watched growing up or coaching or Barry Larkin or Ken Griffey Jr. and um you know being able to 2015 I DJed uh an all-star game party and the first first person I met when I came in there was was Ken Griffey Jr. and he was he's my favorite baseball player of all time and just to cross paths with him and 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 it's considered work is is a blessing.
0: So you're a big uh, ESPN fan and you know sports fan. Growing up, were you into the Jock Jams uh, album at all?
2: Oh my gosh, yeah! <laughs> I had like, <laughs> jock jam- I had them all. <laughs> was,
0: jock Jams, I Jock to, Rock.
2: Uh, oh my gosh, yeah! There, there's so many heaters on those tracks too. I used to uh, I used to play with one of those like Nerf hoops in my in my bedroom, and I'd turn on like my ideal. Like weekend as a kid, like the Friday night or whatever, would turn on uh, the the Jack Jam CD and just play like one on versus myself Nerf basketball in my bedroom, and uh, yeah, I definitely wore those CDs out. Oh yeah, CDs buddy, to all the youngsters.
0: <laughs> a buddy of mine in elementary school, we would. We would put that on. Our, we had, you know, this compact disc finally, but we would put that on and play basketball in his front yard. And it, I don't think we ever played a full game. I think we just tried to do tricks the whole time while the jock jams uh, CD was playing.
2: Yeah. So, you know, man, you know, you know the feeling. Yeah, Absolutely. it was always like trick shots
0: and all that. So Absolutely. I agree with that.
1: Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you started out with self-diploma and ended up at, uh, club play before landing with the Reds and the Bengals and the
2: Bearcats. Correct? I did. Yes. Yeah. Self Diploma is, uh, is is a partnership company that um, uh, my manager Sean Heron, he uh, he founded, and I've been with him since day one. We we launched that in two thousand and ten with twenty other you know people that were passionate about what we wanted to do. And um, that that moved into a lot of uh, nightclub uh, concerts, those type of events. And that was that was my bread and butter. That was my forte for a number of years before kind of getting into the Reds, Bengals, Bearcats and all that. And, uh, yeah, club play was our was our home for a few years. A lot of uh, a lot of great memories there.
1: And you actually played a concert in the abandoned subway system if I'm not mistaken, correct?
2: Yeah, it was, uh, it was called Ubon, and it was, uh, it, I think it went on for a couple of years, the, the first year, the inaugural year, it was not called that, it didn't have that name, and it was a partnership with, um, I can't even think of the, the, the brand, the Carp, Scion, Scion, that's right, so Scion had a, had a partnership in it, and through a concert and I hosted it and uh, we had all different types of acts. And um, from there it kind of spawned into the actual u festival, bringing in, uh, you know, big artists for the, for the next couple of years.
1: And one of those artists uh, was Mac Miller, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Yeah. So Mac actually didn't play u but he was, Mac was basically he, when he was getting started, we were right by his side working with him. One of my best friends, uh, DJ inspirations and, and a buddy of mine who kind of taught me a few things. He was, uh, he was max DJ. And, uh, we got to watch Mac's whole career kind of take off and start. And man, it was, it was awesome. Another, you know, another rest in peace to that situation. And, uh, yeah. So Mac, Mac was a, a fan of Cincinnati and he had done, actually, we helped route his first, uh, what was it? First three shows on his like first tour uh, with I think it was Lexington or Louisville, Dayton and Cincinnati, and maybe even Columbus in there. Uh, so yeah, Mac was was a staple in our area when he was getting started.
1: I'd like to hear a good uh, Pittsburgh Cincinnati connect story because there's so few and far between.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah.
1: So with that segue, you are doing sound for the Bengals, and this year you know you started the first couple games off first off there was no preseason so you didn't even have like a warm-up time to try and get basically your feet under you trying to figure out how the hell you're going to navigate an empty stadium while trying to hype people up play music for people that really aren't even there most people are watching unless you're trying to play for the players so tell me kind of what goes through your mind as you're playing music, as you're kind of doing stuff with the, are you in control of the crowds? Is someone else in control of the crowds? Are you working with that person? What all is going on during game day as you're sitting there at your, uh, your DJ table, essentially.
2: Yeah. So game one of this year, as, as we all know, um, no preseason or anything like that. We kind of jump right in with the chargers and uh, no fans were permitted in the stadium. Now that was, an interesting, an interesting situation, and, and my whole mindset going into that was, I'm playing for the players, so it was kind of nice, because a lot of the players, they kind of, you know, stick to a certain route when it comes to music, um, and, I, and I know it very well, and a lot of the guys I've created friendships with, so it's like stuff that I would play at their private events, or things like that, and it was, it was nice to just kind of, you know, be able to go ahead and fully go and play for the players and and get that reaction out of them. Um, In a normal season when there's 60,000 fans, you're playing, you're you're catering to trying to cater to each and every demographic in the stadium, uh, the players, and and there's a lot of people that you're trying to appeal to in that sense. So with no fans in the stadium, it was strictly me playing for the players. Uh, But it, it was, it was really weird because, that first touchdown that that Joe Burrow ran in I mean he's you know no no preseason he's the biggest hype we've had in Cincinnati in a very long time everybody's excited that first touchdown he gets it's crickets in there I mean you can hear you can hear the players you know (laughs) making noise and all that kind of stuff from my booth but us in the booth we were jumping around and, and, and getting crazy and all that but it was just an eerie kind of situation it was something where it felt like a like a high school scrimmage that just the coaches and some of the players are at you know like in, in a random field uh, somewhere so it wasn't that you didn't get that crazy welcome to the jungle people are going nuts beer's flowing it's wild burrow just scored his first touchdown you got more of a uh like uh guys jumping around and you can kind of hear faint claps and, and uh and yells in the background so that was <laughs> that was really interesting for the first game and then uh you know, moving on from there, as, as you guys have seen at the other home games, they've permitted 6,000 and 12,000, 12,000, that kind of stuff. And, uh, that gets it to a little bit more of a common kind of feel for game day, um, where I start dipping into a lot of the, the fan friendly, the fan jams that people like, and then, uh, you know, really working that player angle and, and, uh, catering to them.
1: Now, as far as the crowd noise, is that you pumping that in and then having to play tracks on top of that as part of, like, your DJ mixing? Or is that something that somebody else is running and you're working, like, coinciding, like, basically, like, simultaneously with them to try and figure out who's going to turn up, who's not, and
2: all of that? So there's so much that goes into it, which is crazy, and you wouldn't think. Um, So we we were given, and I say we as uh, Jungle Vision is the the group in the press box that uh, we all, that's our company, and um, we were given a single track, a looping track of crowd noise, and mind you, it wasn't that great, it was more annoying than anything, and every team got the same track, and it had to be played, I think at 70 or 75 decibels, uh, which you know, in a stadium, it's not that loud, but an empty stadium, you can definitely hear it. Uh, so basically that track, we didn't get much play with, uh, you know, warming up for that track or figuring out how we're going to navigate around it. So we kind of got thrown to the wolves, that track gets played, and then I'm playing over that track. Um, and I'm only given like a little bit of range over that track to, to meet the NFL standards and regulations. And it's, it's like so scientific and weird that you wouldn't think like the average person would be like, wow, there's a lot that goes into that, that you necessarily wouldn't think of. And um, yeah, we had to basically keep the music at a certain level. We couldn't go above that. If we were to go above that, you could get fined. Um, so it was, it was definitely, you know, trial and error trying to, trying to stay within those parameters. And um, I was just kind of playing, you know, playing the player music and the fan music over top of that. And uh, you know, going with it. And I know, I know a lot of the guys, and in a lot of us, we were like, "Man, this is this fan noise is brutal." It, it doesn't really emulate the natural sound in the stadium. On TV, it didn't sound bad, but right. if you were there, yeah, it was it was not the greatest sound.
1: That's insane, man. So, and I've always wondered this: Do you have a certain like track list that you can play that the Bengals have had to purchase rights to, and you can't really venture outside of that? Certain playlists that they've paid for the rights to play that music, or is it like, hey, these are the tracks that I played. You owe these artists money after the game, and then you just kind of check to those players. Like, how does that
2: all work? Yeah, we have a um, basically we have kind of like a playbook or a uh, a subscription to a rights setup, and uh, just kind of clear And making sure everything's in that um, in that in that group that we actually present in the stadium. Um, for the rights and all that. So I just, you know, I, I change. I have a lot of set tracks that we use for Bengals games. Mm-hmm. And then I build a player warm-up list throughout the season, but a lot before the season, a lot of the stuff that they like. And I just make sure to clear that, uh, you know, with the licensing and, and that type of thing, and uh, we're good to go um, from there.
0: Yeah, I was be Well, and the reason I asked that, yeah, I was
1: going to say real quick, Ed, uh, the reason I asked that question is I feel like that list of songs has grown significantly in what I've noticed over the last, I don't mm-hmm. know, three to five years, as opposed to what was played when I was younger, you know, in high school and college, going to games and kind of growing up and just seeing how much mu- more music is being played. And I had no idea. Of course, everybody says, Mike Brown doesn't want to spend the money. He doesn't want to buy any more tracks. So it was always like the same six yeah. songs that are played for any given any given moment, but obviously that's expanded since you've been there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's been something that I think, you know, upon bringing myself in and, and introducing a DJ to the uh, overall experience, I think what comes along with that is, uh, you know, venturing down different paths or trying different things and, um, you know, creating this feel, this game day experience and, and you, to create that and to do it the way that we all want to do it. Um, yeah, you definitely have to open up the library and, uh, start trying some different stuff. And and, and this year we've even introduced, uh, you know, even more situational music and and different things like that where I would say, and I can confidently say that I'm busier with less fans in the stadium than I am when it's packed because there are less marketing breaks, less commercial breaks in that sense within the stadium. Um, So there's, it's a lot of music. So it's it's definitely, uh, it's definitely making me work a little bit harder.
0: Yeah. So I was going to ask, do you have like, go-to songs that you usually, you know, have for, you know, let's say for the Bengals, like do you, when you go in on a Sunday, like you kind of have an idea what songs you're going to play or do you like kind of work that out in your head, like throughout the week, like, okay, you know, maybe this is a new track this week and I want to put that in. Um, How does that all work?
2: So, so both, I mean, I'm always looking to see what's new or what kind of can fit even dipping back into something that is, is older that situationally could, could hit, great and, and and fans could really appreciate or players in general um, you know something that they might like but uh but yeah i mean i have crates that i build within my laptop that are specifically catered towards Bengals certain situations um you know if we're on defense third down a certain hype song if we're on offense uh you know we kind of like to keep it quiet if there's a first down we, we complete a first down we give a little bit of a bounce uh to, to the next play and then obviously with the touchdown song, that's a staple that gets played um, regardless. Right. And then other songs like welcome to the jungle and things like that. Um, you know, those are getting piped in, um, you know, every single game just because they've kind of found their spot in their, their comfort area
0: in, in the playlist. That's really cool. I didn't, I didn't even know you had like different songs that you do for, you know, defense yeah. offense. That's, that's awesome. A lot of thought goes into it. Yeah. That.
2: Yeah. It's, yeah. It's broken down situationally. So I mean, everything. If, if you were to look at my crate, you would see, um, you know, when we're on defense, we play an instrumental for first and second down, something a little bit more hype on third down uh, turnover. There's a, there's a certain kind of sound that we want to go with pregame, that kind of thing, walk-in music, um, filler music. It, it, it's, it's crazy because it, there, it's, there's more to it than than the average person would think. And, right. and for, for music people, it's kind of a nerd out kind of deal. So. Exactly.
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome.
2: Now, do
1: you get like requests from players or coaches like, hey, we haven't heard this, or here's a new track that I'd like to hear, and do you take that into consideration as you're building your playlists and tracks and all that?
2: Yeah, most definitely. I mean, for example, going into the season – it's typically i'm 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 texting with or talking to messaging like tyler boyd joe mixon um sam hubbard guys like that who uh you know may have some input and guys like tyler boyd he's one of the most outspoken for certain songs like he if you watch him during warm-ups he's so fun to watch because he's turning up he's getting hype and i i definitely build in a lot of tracks that i know he reacts well to um and then, you know, other guys as well within the team, I would do the same thing. So before he had left, Carlos Dunlap and I, uh, we we'd talk a lot about, you know, pregame mixes and things like that. Um, Andy Dalton would shoot me a text every now and then, like, hey, this is a really good song. I like this and that. Throw a country jam in for him. Uh, you know, make that happen. And, and, and that's kind of, I, I definitely, the interactions with the guys makes it a lot more fun because, if I were playing, I know that I would be vocal on what I'd want to hear when I'm getting pumped up. Exactly. And when they give me feedback, you know, that that's the best because it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm, we're doing this together. And um, it's, it's also really cool to see, you know, other teams come in and you don't want to pump them up, but it's inevitable when, you know, they all kind of like the same stuff. And every year it's, it's just exciting. Like Odell Beckham, the Cleveland game, I've got, you know, we've got all kinds of cool video footage of him, like, doing all these different types of dances. Um, you know, anybody from the rave, that kind of thing. Like, it's just cool seeing the guys come in who are that personality, really enjoy music. And I want them to come to Cincinnati and be like, damn, like, I love the, the, the warm-up playlist. It's it's awesome. So then
1: have you had any interaction with uh, Cincinnati's new number one guy, Joey Burrow?
2: Joey Burrow is a little Uzi Vert fan, so he likes hip-hop. And, um, <laughs> he's... Uh, <laughs> He's. I, I haven't. I haven't got in touch with him too much. Um, he. He. We've crossed paths on a lot of different levels with uh, some of his his preseason regimen, as far as where he was working out. Uh, there, there's some friends and partners of mine, and then him and Sam Hubbard are, are, are real close. So you know, keeping in touch with him and getting some music from him and that kind of thing. Uh, but he's. Uh, he's definitely. There's some videos of him jamming out, rocking out. You know, rapping some songs, vibing out well. So. that that makes me happy. Fantastic. (laughs) So then I have to ask, as we kind of transition
1: from the Bengals to your other football job, the Cincinnati Bearcats football DJ, um, how much more wiggle room do you have with one than the other? Do you feel like you are more free to be a DJ and play literally whatever you want, more so with the Bengals or with the Bearcats?
2: Well, so college in general um, is a little bit more lenient than, than the pro sports. I uh, My favorite part about DJing the Bearcats for the Bearcats is the, the amount of times that I'm able to kind of like troll in a sense. So just, you know, last couple weeks ago, we beat Memphis and uh, I was able to sneak in walking in Memphis and you know other songs that are relative to that when we beat Houston I played Luke Combs Houston we got a problem so it's just like that that kind of fun back and forth is not so much permitted in the NFL I could probably sneak in things here and there uh last year when we played uh the Patriots it was kind of after their whole scandal and I I snuck in uh somebody's watching me and that was something that was kind of fun and and seemed to go over pretty well Uh, (laughs) um But but yeah, college college sports are a little bit more lenient when it comes to that type of thing, and um, I can kind of get away with a little bit more there.
0: So um, now do you have
2: to go through the same? Do you have to go through the
1: same situation where you have to uh, let the team know, like, hey, I played this song, or I, I hopped in on this, and then we need to make sure that we get them their royalties and all that.
2: Uh, yeah, I think it's an overarching setup that they have there. Um, it's not as much reported from my end. It's kind of, um, you know, there, there's a back and forth that kind of goes on, and I overhear some stuff here and there and oversee a few things. Um, but outside of that, it's it's a little bit more lax uh, compared to the NFL.
0: So it's funny. Um, you said that, you know, you, you played Houston. We got a problem after that Houston game. Um, was it two years ago, Aaron, we – Reached out to a reporter in Houston when Gary Clark went to the Houston Rockets to ask him about how yeah. he's fitting in. And uh, we brought up, you know, Gary Clark's nickname, 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 um, you know, the problem. And so Aaron says, uh, well, you know what, Houston, you have a problem now. And that guy got kind of upset about it. The people in Houston don't like hearing that. They like, don't, they, they like, no, Houston <laughs> is full of good things. And we're like, it's kind of a joke, man. So you probably trolled him a little bit more than you thought you did.
2: Yeah, I, yeah. That's if if they feel that way, then yeah, they were probably uh, a little bit more salty after that one. And and they actually leading up to that week, I, I'd kind of missed some of the headlines, um, but uh, I caught them towards the end and then uh, during the game. But apparently, they had an issue with their their walkthrough and they they had to do it in a parking lot um, instead of like on the field. Memphis, and yeah. Uh, we, yeah say that say that again, Memphis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they had that that issue or whatever, and we snuck in um, parking lot was a parking lot party by Lee Bright. So <laughs> if, if if they if they heard that and then the Houston, we've got a problem. Then uh, yeah, I'm sure they weren't weren't too happy on top of the butt kicking the the old Bearcats gave them. Yeah, so.
1: so I don't know if you know uh, Chad Brendel who owns uh, BearcatJournal.com or not. But I work for him as an intern, writing and uh, doing a podcast um, for for the Bearcat Journal, and we actually notated that on our uh, on our Memphis episode of uh, the Bearcat Bounce podcast, and we were discussing how you actually trolled uh, the. We only caught the the walking in Memphis. Um, Chad was there at the stadium as he is every week, uh, anytime they have a home game. Anyway. And he caught that, and he also notated that he thought that you have uh played the uh the crowd, maybe not the crowd noise, um but at least the music uh probably a little bit louder than what he feels that it was played at the uh, at the bengal stadium uh you've been playing it maybe louder at nippert than you have there down at uh at Paul Brown, so I don't know if there's any truth in any of that or not, but
2: yeah, yeah, no. Chad, Chad's the man. He's a great dude, and I catch him down at the Bearcats, uh, down at Nippert all the time. And he crushes what he does, man. He works hard. I don't know if there's another. I mean, there's a lot of great media Bearcat guys out there, and and and, and gals as well. And he, I don't know if he he might hustle more than anybody. He's he's all over the place. And uh, yeah, he uh, he's probably correct in saying that because, like I said, there there was kind of a decibel limitation with the Bengals um and then you know not so much with the Bearcats and I I, my goal is to give us the best home field advantage when there aren't that many fans in there with with the music so when we're on defense you know I want to crank it until they say hey like we got to cap it here we got to kind of keep it here um just to to throw off that other team's offense um, to give them kind of a feel that hey like you know it, it may be a scaled down uh, viewership inside the stadium right now, but I want them to have trouble, you know, calling the play, calling an audible or anything like that. So Nippert is a very special place. And I think that it gets extra loud in there. I love that. So then I guess because they
1: have the friends and family that I know expanded from four initially where each player got four tickets for their friends and family that expanded to eight, and then you also have the band there. You also have the ROTC there. You also have, I mean, obviously a ton more players just because that's the way the college football is, um, both for the home team and the away team. So you have all these extra people there. Is it a little bit easier then, um, to play music for the Bearcats and, and kind of get the, the atmosphere a little bit more into it than it is down at the, uh, at the Bengals games because they only had, you know, the, 6,000 to 12,000 and, uh, the limitations that they've had down there at, uh, at Paul Brown.
2: Yeah. The 12,000 really helped once they started, uh, you know, when they, when they implemented that and and that kind of gave it more of a, a good game day feel. Um, but yeah, at, at Nipper, I mean, what, what's better than a college game day, a band playing that sound. I mean, it's just kind of, it's all encompassing with the music and, um, you know the band together, that type of thing. It, it, it doesn't get much better than that, and I'd say that, you know, that that type of sound and that kind of vibe is is close. But you know, let's go back to last Friday. Nip at night, put put the the amount of fans that would have normally have have come out for that, and it's a whole whole new ball game. But yeah, I I, I do think that it's a little bit easier to uh, to push that kind of certain vibe. Um, at Nippert versus Paul Brown.
1: So do you have any uh, any stories as to, maybe not necessarily in COVID, but um, just where you really felt like you set basically the stadium on fire, uh, especially with as packed as it's been these last few years, especially Nippert night. Um, I'm thinking those are probably uh, coincide as to where maybe a story like that takes place, but something where
2: you just kind of step back afterwards and you're like, damn, I did that. <laughs> well I mean it's in in conjunction with the the amount of hype that the fans give off in Nippert I would say the the, the fondest memory is definitely the UCLA game um, last year it was just it was bananas in there and and we I I got to troll with the California songs at the end uh, you know beating UCLA was awesome it, that that definitely to me sticks out as as one of the uh the best moments and then I can't remember who did we play? It was another nip at night game later in the season. If I'm remembering correctly, it was on a Friday. It was another one of the nip at night games. And it was, again, it was just electric. And and that to me, I I love the noon games. I love the three thirty, you know, the seven, all those types of, all those types of games, but the 7 PM or the, the whatever the, the nip at night games, there's nothing better. And uh, yeah, I'd say most definitely last year, those, those couple of nip at night games when we were really rolling the the moment the electricity it just all kind of came together
1: so again kind of transitioning to what your job is about to become uh, cincinnati is going to be playing basketball games in front of a completely empty arena which i feel like is probably going to be even even more so strange feeling than an empty Paul Brown than an empty Nippert because you've at least had at some point in the in the season you've at least had some fans there as COVID cases kind of go through the roof now as the flu season starts back up personally I don't think that there's going to be a shot in hell that we end up with any fans inside of uh fifth third arena this year but what do you expect to be the challenges that you're going to face as you go into a 2020 covid season we already lost march madness last year in a year that you know who knows what jaron cumberland javen cumberland mm-hmm. trey scott uh, some of these some of these guys that we don't have anymore um you know we missed out on that opportunity and now here you are kind of having to take the reins into a whole new season of unknown and i'm just kind of curious as to where your mindset is going into this what you have already kind of tried to map out as to Uh, what kind of decibel levels you're looking at, what kind of um, how you're going to try and hype the players and the the fans from home and the role that you have.
2: Yeah. So actually tomorrow night is uh, my first time down there for the season. We have a scrimmage tomorrow night and um, I'll be able to kind of gauge and I think get a decent feel for, how that's going to go. I, I just, before you guys called, before we chatted, I just finished uh, putting together some creative player music. Um, so I got a lot of the stuff that I know they like. So when it comes to that with warmups and everything, I think we'll be, we'll be on par there because fans kind of start trickling in um, throughout warmups in in a normal season. And uh, I think the guys are kind of zoned in regardless. So I think, I don't think much will change there. Um, but when, like you said, when you get into um, the actual, you know, fifth, third arena and nobody in there, it's hard to assume that there will be fans, like you said, um, with, with, we really didn't get the amount of fans that we thought maybe we might with a, uh, with reg- as far as regulations go at an outdoor venue like Nippert. So, you know, why would we, why would there be fans permitted in an indoor venue, at a certain scale um, when, when Xavier announced, I think they announced that they're going to do 300 fans um, in their, in their, uh, their arena. So that kind of was a little bit surprising to me that they had announced that already. Um, not kind of testing the waters or anything. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't foresee if I, if I were, if I'm a, a betting man, which I don't, <laughs> I don't bet too often. Uh, I would bet that we won't see fans in fifth, third, uh, like we would, assume that we might uh given the way the COVID's kind of gone but yeah I think the biggest challenge is going to be in game really emulating what a normal in game would look like with fans Pre-game and all that I think it's going to be kind of how it always is I got their music we're going to jam out they're going to stretch do their drills that kind of thing um but getting into it uh you know kind of having that that home home court advantage is going to be tough so I'm excited to I'm excited for the challenge of what it looks like from an indoor standpoint, uh, not, not having not done that yet um, this season and and during uh, COVID. So yeah, man, we'll have to uh, often report back and and give you guys some uh, some updates on on how it's going.
1: For sure, man. That'd be great. Uh,
2: Now, did you start
1: working for Bearcats basketball football or the Bengals first, or did you start pretty much all around the same time or how did that go chronologically?
2: Uh, so, uh, in 2000, 2014, I was kind of doing some freelance work for the Reds, so I was DJing some pregame stuff, uh, events for them, and that type of thing, and in um, 2015, the Bengals were looking for an in-stadium DJ to kind of enhance the overall game day experience, and the Reds um, kind of co-signed me to the Bengals, and, uh, w- which was awesome and, and helped out, so that got me, uh, in the door over at Paul Brown and had a couple meetings and, and we really hit it off with, uh, with the audio guys and, and, and the guys in charge in, in that world. And, um, it kind of led to, uh, full-time with the Bengals. And then in 2018, I, uh, I started, I started getting involved with the Bearcats basketball team. So they had reached out kind of the same deal. Like, Hey, we want to, we want to enhance the game day experience for the fans, players, that type of thing, see what you're doing with the Bengals and the Reds. Let's see what we can do here. Um, and then that kind of, that kind of really opened up that door there um, to get involved in basketball. And then football last year was, uh, was my first year with football as they had brought that whole setup where I'm on the field, staging, that kind of thing um, to the fans. And it's been, it's been awesome, man. The, the I'm very thankful to have both college and pro because it, it breaks up the monotony of just one or the other. And I get to like we had talked about before, I get to kind of experiment a little bit more in this realm. And then in that one, I'm able to do a little bit something different. So, uh, yeah, man, Reds, Bengals, Bearcats, Bearcats is kind of chronologically how it all uh, got into place.
0: My favorite part of the basketball games is when, when, you know, there's a big drive that happens, right? Maybe we go on a, a six-point drive or a, a ten-point drive or whatever that is, and then the other team calls timeout and, you know, go to commercial whatever. You seem to always hit, like, the right song going into that timeout, and it just gets the whole stadium just – you got people jumping up and down. Like, I know Aaron likes to sit in his seat, but sometimes I'll get all excited. Like, I think <laughs> the way you time those and what songs to put in there, like Mo Bamba and all that kind of stuff, like, it's – I just love it when that happens
2: i appreciate that man and 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 that would be if you were to ask me what's the most exciting out of of all sports and all moments that i'm djing that would have to that would probably possibly rank number one um when we do go on a run in basketball because it's more tight knit it's it's more enclosed we're right there and it just seems to hit a little bit different indoors like that um but yeah man I, i appreciate that and that's kind of My goal, you know, each game is to is to situationally hit on uh, on those moments. I think that music is is such an amazing thing for for fans, players, people tuning in, where it's something we can all kind of get together, get behind, and it evokes that kind of emotion, especially after a big play. And 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 there's there's no better feeling. Absolutely.
1: I was going to ask if you had the way that you did, like the pregame stuff for the Bengals, and you're kind of playing music and getting everybody hyped up. Uh, On the same flip side of that coin with the Bearcats basketball team, have you had input from the players? If so, like who are the guys you've been getting a lot of input from over the last few years? Um, And then who, even, even more so for this year, uh, do you expect to get some of that input from, especially with having an empty stadium?
2: So yeah, so my guy, Trey Scott, he was the number one uh, hype guy, my music guy, we went back and forth. Um, You know, he was, he was who I'd look to and he'd look back at me and, we would uh, bounce off each other with with different tracks, and each week, you know, there'd be an additive or there'd be one or two. So uh, I'm really gonna miss him. You know, he was he was amazing to work with. He, he was just one of the great, one of the best guys you could you know run into on and off the court. Um, and then you know now kind of coming into it, I'd say the guy I feel like that gets pretty hype from like the younger the younger guys on the team is Jeremiah Davenport. So he uh, he would always get real hype prior to and uh have some input on music and then believe it or not, vote, he it's kinda funny because he's so subtle, but you can see him rapping like every word uh um, to a lot of the games and then isn't that something you would expect. Like you'd look at him and you'd be like, okay, like big lanky kinda, you know, awkward white dude, but he knows every single lyric to every single song. And uh and and that's nice to see. And then uh, you know jaron cumberland last year he was he was a big music guy too just kind of flew under the radar with it you know some songs here and there um but i would always you know make sure to, to slide his favorite stuff in but yeah the the, the team the, same with you know like the football guys and everything there's always a few guys who who really uh drive that part of it and um you know hudson and and uh, and jared dokes and, and things like that guys like that that are you know real heavy on the music end. and i i can really respect that because Like I said, man, playing sports growing up, music was such a big part of my pre-game, post-game, in-game, I'm I'm singing stuff in my head, that kind of thing. So uh, I love guys who are heavily involved in that part of it.
1: So I did tease at the beginning of this podcast that you and I have a connection... Um, so I did reach out to that connection and wanted to see if he had any questions that I should ask you and uh, so I did have some uh, some real quick questions here as we're wrapping things up um, yeah so I heard you used to I heard you used to work for t-mobile at the mall and I need to know what the best phone that was out while you were selling uh, I need to know what, what the best
2: phone was man you're gonna date me here man <laughs> <Nokia 50 laughs> I did, I was <laughs> job job one out of uh, out of uh, like into college out of high school, and uh, what was the best? Oh, I remember it was the BlackBerry Pearl. Anybody remembers that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the BlackBerry Pearl so one, so
2: crispy. It had it had the uh, it had the the ball, the you know whatever the rotating ball, and then it was like sleek. It was the email capabilities were amazing on it. I mean, everybody who's anybody who did email you used email like mobily like that. It was Blackberry it was you were hyped. And so when, when you
1: guys were promoting weekly nightclubs, which were your favorite spots and nights? And I have a feeling red cheetah is going to end up coming up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: man, I, uh, I'll incriminate myself and say that I was using a fake ID to get into red cheetah. So I was a youngster. <laughs> and then After that, we, uh, the exchange was, was a go-to. That was like one of the first places that I, uh, like got involved in the whole like that world as far as like concerts, music clubs and that type of thing. And, um, that was, uh, yeah, that was, there was a spot called bang too downtown. That was a okay. lot of fun. Um, I you know, back bang. in the day, no Metropolis. All, the, all the memories in Metropolis. Wow. Yeah. Well, we can't forget Metropolis. So that was, that was even before, <laughs> that was more so when, uh, when I was, you know, I was like dance battling people out on the floor <laughs> Oh, so, Metropa, I, I feel bro. like we, I feel like this connection that we have is uh, somebody who might have been at Metropolis at the same time I was. So, what size wheels were on that orange Hummer y'all used to whip around?
1: 22's <laughs> baby. <laughs> I'm
0: so lost. So uh,
1: you can you can thank your boy, my boy, Mike Yates for supplying me with uh, with those questions.
2: Yates, bro. Yates, bro. <laughs> Great,
1: bro. That's my guy yeah. That, that, yeah, that He and I used was, to work, used to at work together at, at Verizon So I uh, reached out to him today And uh, I actually reached out to him When I was trying to get a hold of you uh, To even set this whole thing up But yeah, um, that is our connect
2: Nice That's family man He was, uh, he was in my wedding And uh, he's got a wedding coming up next year And him and I have lived in like Three different Four different houses together um, The amount of footage that will never be unearthed that I have of him and I back in the day is uh, is, is definitely incriminating as well. So we'll, we'll keep, we'll leave it at that.
1: I can only imagine knowing that dude.
0: <laughs> I swear I thought I had that song on my desktop somewhere. But I can't find it now.
1: Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he gave us permission to use his, uh, his Bengals song that he had on, on the YouTube. So we've used yeah, that on me. several episodes, but.
2: Yeah, Yates is Yates is a good dude. You, you won't meet you won't meet many people who have met Yates and, and say they don't like him.
1: That sounds accurate. So I did want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for an awesome interview. Uh, I want to thank you for just kind of giving us an insight to what it's been like in the DJ booth. You know, trying to figure this whole crazy thing called COVID out while trying to hype up the sports fans that are there that aren't there you know it's it's 2020 man 2020 but uh Mm -hmm. again you can check him out on twitter on instagram at dje train on pretty much any social platform that you can find um outside of that before you go anything else you got for us dj
2: no man i thank you guys and uh and i want to give a huge huge thanks to the uh the fans that have been coming out that uh, I've been able to interact with that, that attend the games that are believers in, in all of our teams and that show up and, and, and give back that energy that, uh, you know, I, I try to supply to them. Um, it, it's a mutual thing. And it makes my life so much easier and so much more fun when uh, we can kind of feed off of each other. So fans, when you guys can get back, I look forward to it so much for the time being We'll keep those guys hyped up, and hopefully we go on a nice run uh with, with all sports moving forward. And, fellas, thank you again. Thank you. Not a problem. Well, for Ed and Aaron, this has been another episode of Pardon
1: the Punctuation. We thank you for your time, and, and we'll be back again soon.
2: I'm about to get a couple drinks and watch the Bengals game. My city like a zoo. We just watched the Bengals play. And I don't know about you. I'm about to watch the Bengals game. Put Go who they? Go who they? Who they? Tell 'em who you live for. Who they? Go who they? Go who they?